all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hey, welcome to Cars and Comrades, your leftist car podcast. My name is Bryant. Today we have Connor and Brandon. How are y'all doing? Doing okay. I've had a hectic weekend, but I'm good. Good. Um, excuse me. So uh, this week we're doing some news stories. And um, oh, fuck, we didn't really decide which ones we were going to do, did we? I guess we'll figure that out on the air. There wasn't any of them that I hated. Yeah, okay. just go through all of them. Just just go down the list. They were yeah, all okay. We'll, we'll fix need it a lot. post. <laughs> if it doesn't need a lot, we just won't do a lot on it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we'll, we'll have some news stories for you in a little bit, but we'll uh, give you the updates on our various project cars. And um, who wants to go first? Anyone? In, or yeah, I mean, I'll go first because it's real easy. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I haven't done anything again. Like I can't remember where we were at uh, the last time we recorded. Same thing last time. I've, 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 uh, I've messed with my carburetor just enough that it seems to be running really good in the Ford, and it hasn't given me any recent problems. My fuel economy has improved. I just like need to put some more like consistent like highway miles on it to get an idea of how much it's improved. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 running pretty strong. Although today and it's. I think there's water in my in my brake fluid, like the in the in the way that like is is fairly normal and accumulates. But man, it has been hot, and when it gets hot, my brakes get much stiffer. And when it gets hot, my brakes start pulling to one side really bad. Yeah. So I think I need to flush my brakes like real soon. But yeah. Uh, tr- truth be told, I, I had intended to do some body work on my Chevy this weekend, and uh, some personal stuff came up, and I was forced to. I mean, force sounds sounds like a bad word. I, I, I had a friend in the hospital, so I, I just opted to like be you know there for my friend instead of working on my car. Um, it's a good choice, but yeah, yeah. I mean, m- mostly things have been fine. I I don't drive lately. Actually, I ride my bike or walk everywhere because I haven't really been working, and I'm working. I'm trying to get a job that is closer, and I just I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be a car guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm cool with having some project cars. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to get a job where I work really close to my house and then I'm going to put big blocks in everything and I'll have really fun on the rare occasion that I drive. That's, that's the dream. Like I would love cars so much more if it did not have to get me to work. Yeah. (laughs) I, I was talking to like uh, just some rando lefty online and they were like, yeah, I'm never going to listen to your show because I don't like cars. It's not personal. I'm just like, oh, don't worry. We don't like cars anymore either. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently having a leftist car podcast just makes you realize how shitty cars are. Right. (laughs) But I've I've been working towards turning cars into a genuine hobby rather than a necessity lately. That's that's what I've been up to. It's like uh, it's like Donut Media sells that merch that says uh, cars are pain. You know, I'm I'm feeling that. 
I, I literally have that shirt, and it is true. So, <laughs> if if I I've, I told you guys off air, but if if I am lucky and I get this job that I'm trying to get, I will work a little over a mile and a half away, and maybe I'll drive to work when it's raining. But mostly, I just cannot wait to get to the point where. Oh, uh, the whatever I'm doing for the day is not finished, and my car is torn apart, and I have to get to work tomorrow morning. That's cool. I'll walk. That's oh, is it raining? So That's cool. I own a raincoat. Awesome. Yeah. I remember when I was young, I used to like ride my bike in the winter, rain, shine, whatever. Same. On a coat. I used to yeah. ride a bike with an umbrella, and you just like put it in front of you <laughs> and like ride into it. Um, yeah, you I just got soaking wet and didn't care. I used to ride 15 to 25 miles a day. And that was That's 30 to 50 way. pounds ago. So, like, maybe for, for my health, for, for, for everything, like, for the environment, whatever. You pick your poison. I'm done driving everywhere. Fuck yeah. I, I once tried to ride a bicycle while smoking and <laughs> would not recommend, especially when you're going downhill and all the sparks are flying in your face. Oh, see, I was a smoker for many, many years, especially, like, when I was a child. I mean, I... Smoked yeah. very young, so I, I got real good at smoking on a bike. That was <laughs> almost how I preferred. <laughs> I would I would ride my bike to school, and I'd be smoking a cigarette on on the way. You know. <laughs> okay. So well, I I only dabbled. I wasn't a professional like you. <laughs> I I once rode rode my bicycle five miles across the city of Philadelphia carrying two pizzas. Nice. Oh, that's impressive. I was proud of myself that day. Yeah. Um, you got home and the cheese wasn't all like fucked up and like shifted over to one side or anything. That's <laughs> eh, vegan cheese. It's not real anyway. Mm. Okay, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't fucked up. Good shit. Yeah, uh, I think it was. Um, I forget the name of the podcast I was listening to. They 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 were talking about some startup that tried to do a uh, a van that would deliver pizza and cook it in the van while it was delivering it <laughs> on the way. And the problem they ran into is all the cheese would slide off onto one side. <laughs> so are we just like fully accepting that startup is synonymous with dumbest idea you've ever heard of in your life at this point? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I was my, my first thought. I was like, it sounds like a thing that they would try and do on like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Remember when, when the term startup wasn't synonymous with microdosing? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh my my but, uh, neighbor was oh, oh sorry side tangent my neighbor was telling me that he was microdosing the other day and i'm pretty sure just looking at him he was macro dosing but yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's it's really hard it's a fine line you're walking exactly <laughs> i micro dosed for a while and by that i mean i macro dosed for a while <laughs> <laughs> but sorry go yeah. ahead with what you're saying you can I think you can tell on some earlier episodes. <laughs> I mean, I could tell, but I don't know if the listeners could tell. <laughs> uh, but that, that that's me. My, my whole car update is that I am trying to stop using cars. Yeah, it's a noble Good goal. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, I guess it's my turn then. Sure. So... Yep. Um, I've been busy bashing my head against uh, my Subaru or my Sabaru trying to get it to work for a while. Um, I think, you know, last episode, um, the uh, a couple of people, including uh, Redneck Zach, 
had told me it, that sounds like an exhaust or an intake leak, uh, an intake leak on my uh, intake or somewhere in the system or something. Um, so I, the, you know, what I did was I, once I got the fuel injectors cleaned and put back in with new seals on them and everything, I um, got a two inch PVC end cap, like from the hardware store. And the outside diameter of that is exactly right so that it'll fit in the throttle body of my uh, Subaru with the like mm-hmm. the rubber coupler on there. Um, so I, you know, drilled a hole and put in like a like hot glued in a bicycle pump fitting on there. And so I could pressurize the intake yep. and like listen to where the leaks are. And I'm like, OK, I'm pretty sure it's coming from the driver's side rear of the of the intake manifold. I think the gas gets bad or something. Um, so I took off the intake manifold, which if you if you listen to the show, like, I don't know, October of last year, November, somewhere in there, I did the same thing to fix the fuel lines. And that was a pain in the ass. And it was a pain in the ass again to take the intake manifold off. Because um, Subaru just put every single thing attached to the intake manifold, like... All the wiring for the engine, the fuel lines, <laughs> the injectors, everything. Um, and I couldn't tell from just looking at it if the manifold or if the gasket was bad. But, um, you know, I, I the the guy that f- cleaned my fuel injectors was saying, you know, your your manifold might be warped. Um, and so since I work in a metrology lab, I took it in and put it on the um surface plate and used a feeler gauge around the outside to see if it was you know high in any spots and it seemed okay like i think maybe like six thou so six thousandths of an inch um and you know like that little gauge would go under there which isn't a lot like you think that's nothing man yeah so i don't know if that was really the problem but i flat sanded it anyways i i you know, um, put uh, 400 grit sandpaper and taped down to the surface plate, which is, you know, like a very flat granite surface. And then I took the intake manifold and just kind of shuffled it around on the gasket surface on the sandpaper to to sand it. And then, you know, like a one thou feeler gauge wouldn't go in. So it's basically as flat as it could be. That shit is sealed. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, go ahead. I also took a one, two, three block, which is just a flat piece of metal and suit and like super glued some sandpaper to it and cleaned the top surface of the engine block where the, um, the gasket goes. Um, and I don't know. Super glued a one, two, three block. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that was, uh, I don't know the, the greatest thing. Like I took two, one, two, three blocks and like, you know, squishing them together. So it was hopefully flat that way. But um, anyways, so I, I got that as good as I could get, could get it. And I, I don't know if this is like, I learned this from, uh, from moped forums. Maybe other people have done the same thing on cars, but like I plugged up the intake uh, ports with uh, um, Play-Doh to keep all the little shavings out of them. I was just I was just gonna ask like so did you like jam towels in there and you're gonna pull it out and hope nothing goes in there or what? Okay, cool. That, that seems like a good idea. Yeah. Catch all the shavings and 
not fall off as soon as you take it out. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And, uh, and so I also got the, uh, phenolic spacer, which is like some kind of plastics, um, intake spacer uh, with, you know, gaskets on either end. So it'll have double the gaskets and a little bit of squishy plastic in there. So hopefully that'll take up any flex or whatever. Twice, twice as many, many places for it to leak. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that'll fix it. I also did find, um, one of the PCV hoses was a little bit torn. So that might've just been my problem anyways. Um, I'm going to try and like simplify the PCV system that I have. So like I, I had all these hoses running to catch cans on the firewall. And I don't know if this is a genius idea or a stupid idea, but I think I'm going to replace the catch cans with um, inline compressed air uh, system filters, like the sort of like vortex filters that you put on air compressors to get the oil out. Um, and so I went to Harbor Freight and got those for like six bucks each. Oh, fucking nice. (laughs) For six bucks, you can afford to try that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So maybe they'll do better than the wish.com, uh, catch cans that I got for like 20 bucks each. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, but yeah, mostly I just want to feel like such a caveman when you guys talk about working (laughs) on your cars. (laughs) I don't know. Wait, I mean, I'm I'm talking about bodging together bullshit from Harbor Freight. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you you put sandpaper on a granite surface plate and like lapped your fucking intake in. <laughs> you're like, oh, this was six thousands out of true. Like, I, I can't live with that normal amount. <laughs> well, it's like, I know this is probably good, but I'm going to get it extra good so that if this goes wrong, I know it's not, you know, the the intake manifold itself but i can just imagine that like they actually like were like okay we're gonna build six thousandths of warpage into this because our castings are fucked up (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very possible that the engine block is more warped than the intake manifold but i mean it is a subaru so the heads do wander a little bit around um but uh but yeah i mean once i get that all put together then i've got the uh the timing belt to do uh because i I think i talked about this on the last one it's it's got cracks in it so i think it's time yep um and uh, i wish zach was on here to talk timing belts and subarus but i got the asin brand one uh you know people would tell me that that's you know all japanese components rather than chinese stuff i don't know if it makes a huge difference I could also get the uh, mouse crying in his grave now. I know. Right? <laughs> um, I, I could get the what they call the racing belt that's reinforced with Kevlar. That's which I'm not sure. <laughs> Kevlar. It's amazing. Look at that. That's a cool sounding word. You should have gotten that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I really need that because I have stock valve springs like the whole, you know, long block of stock. In fact, most of the engine is stock like. I'm making a little bit more power because I'm making more boost, but, um, you know, to like be fair boost is like the, the dangerous thing though. <laughs> like that's the right. thing that's hard on all the components. So, but I don't think I'm putting any more stress on the valves themselves. Probably not. Unless it takes more effort to open the exhaust valves. I don't know. Uh, um, I can't imagine it 
does really. I don't know. I mean, it would be if you raise the red line, you'd probably want a better yeah, build. Yeah, and I'm not yeah, doing. That. I guess short of that. Um, and you know, while I had the whole intake system off, I felt the um, turbo, and there's a little bit of play in there, um, like enough to feel it, but like I I don't see any like wear marks on the intake housing uh, or inlet housing or whatever it's called. So like. I, the the turbine is not hitting the housing or anything as far as I can tell but like there is noticeable play in there like maybe if I had to guess like maybe 10 or 20 thou I don't know if that's a an issue like and that's without oil going through it so like I imagine once there's oil in the journals it will hopefully you know be, be more yeah but um I know that's about where I'm at with the the Sabaru. I, I if I have time today, I'll put the manifold back on it, but um, uh, we'll see. And uh, I've just been driving the MR2 because it has air conditioning, and uh, I've been getting like thirty to thirty-four miles per gallon, which is a lot better than the Subaru. So uh, you know, enjoying that. But I, I do need to to you know, hopefully get that thing back in the garage and finish up doing the bushings and put new tires and new brakes on it and everything. Cause it's, it's feeling a little bit old and, you know, I'm not able to drive it hard really uh, because of all that stuff, but I don't know. We'll see. Making me want to go get an MR2. They're pretty fun cars. It's like 30, 30 miles to a gallon. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I have been thinking if, if I ever had to replace that, I might get a, Honda CRX, uh, which get even better mileage, um, but are maybe a little slower. There's one of those yeah. parked down the street from me. I've always been curious about it. Never seen it move. I mean, it's basically a Civic, but smaller and more aerodynamic. So you can put all the fast turbo Civic stuff on it if you want. I just worry about my ability to fit inside of one of those. Yeah, I don't know. I am 6'4", and sometimes they're really good for, like, like some some cars have surprised me, and some cars, because, like, I didn't think I'd fit, and I fit fine, and some cars have surprised me because I, I got in, and with the seat all the way back, my ear, my knees are touching my ears. Yeah, I mean, you probably, you might not fit very well in an MR2, because I know James has a second-gen MR2, and those are a little bit more roomy, and he's, like, 6'2", I think. Um, but I'm 6'4". Yeah, so I don't know if that would be a, a problem for you. You you probably wouldn't fit in mine because the first gens are a little smaller. I'll just keep not driving my van and then walk somewhere. There <laughs> you go. It's plenty of headroom when you're walking. <laughs> but uh, what are you going to do, Connor? Yeah. Um. Well, you know, I've been. Um, I haven't done too too much. I do have a little bit about some of my tuning issues uh to go through in a little bit but um i mean right now even before the show i of course procrastinated i woke up late then and uh took my sweet ass time and i started on some same small projects that didn't get done um because i procrastinated naturally um (laughs) uh, mostly just doing little bits to prepare the car i'm going drifting again next weekend um and I've had some issues with overheating. Um, I had some issues overheating at the track. I've also now had some issues overheating 
under specific conditions uh, at idle. So if I'm trying to run the AC, which barely fucking works, and I'm going to have to get that fixed soon, but uh, the AC that barely works and doesn't work great at idle unless I've like driven first and then you know I got 10-15 minutes before it stops being cold. Um, so there's an issue there. But if I'm running the AC and I'm at idle for about 10 to 15 minutes um, at any point or in heavy traffic with the AC on, the car overheats. So that is less of an issue um, with air moving through the radiator because I can hear the fans kicking on and it's still overheat. So a uh, little bit a uh, little bit sketchy. Not sure exactly what's causing that, but uh, down, you know, in the... I'm, I'm trying to put some water wetter in there right now um, to hopefully improve how it's cooling with the, uh, you know, the magic $12 fix, <laughs> whatever the fuck it is. So I'm trying to force uh, that in there into an already full radiator. So um, it's surprisingly taken most of it. Um, I did have to open up the bleeder port and just when I got frustrated, I just kind of started pouring some and <laughs> letting it spill out the other side. But um, anyway, so hopefully that will help. Um, I also have a cooling plate, which basically is just a fucking metal plate that goes uh, between the bumper and where the radiator actually is. There is space for air to come up over the radiator um, because air will find the path of least resistance. You want to close off that avenue a little bit for it. So I got a cooling plate. Um, It's not, you know, not terribly expensive. I got it on sale. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'll order it. Um. I haven't had time to put it in. I might tonight, but if I don't, it's, I'm sure it's a 15 minute thing. My, my car's got to go over to the shop, uh, tomorrow night anyway. Um, cause I have to have, uh, my guy look at the suspension in the front cause I've got some clunking. Um, it doesn't seem critical at this point, but I would really hate if I was on the track and all of a sudden I fucking lost a ball joint, and <laughs> you know, four hours away like that, that could be an issue. So uh, so I'm going to have him check out the suspension, see whatever he can replace in, you know, a quick time frame. If not, whatever, I'll, I'll at least know what the problem is. So I'm going to have him look at that. I'm going to tr- see if adding a manual fan switch is a, a possibility uh, so that when I'm actually drifting on the track, I can just flip that switch and have the fans going while I do that. Uh, at least then I can hopefully pull some air through the radiator while it's sideways. So... You know, and and so I was like, oh, you know, fuck it, whatever. I don't get done today, I'll just bring the parts to my guy and just be like, ah, here, you know, it's odds and ends and shit. If you want to put them on, it'd be great. So uh, that's pretty much what I got there. Um, not terribly too much, but I, um, I forget. Do you have headers on it? Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah, and they're like wrapped. They're wrapped too. Oh, they're wrapped. So, okay. Yeah, so I shouldn't even have this fucking issue. I'm kind of like, yeah. I, it it does get really hot under the hood though, like fucking really really hot so it's i think it's a consequence of just making more power um just you know what i mean it's like i'm kind of pushing what it's supposed to on naturally aspirated situations because like uh, it's it does seem like it's generating a lot of heat though it's higher like pistons right higher compression bigger cams headers you know all that shit it, it does start to add up so um yeah so there's it's hot under there. That's part of the issue. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping that like I would get a vented hood, um, but they're so fucking expensive. 
Um, I'd have to get a carbon fiber one, and those are like eight nine hundred dollars, and they're vented. And I'm like, not. I don't want to like get my engine wet on like normal driving conditions, um, especially with wrapped headers and stuff. Like I'll make that wrap brittle and shit. So, I mean, how much is a hole saw? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm that brave. I, I, I sometimes if it's too like, much. Just buy a partial saw. um but but anyway it's one of those like eventually i'd like to get like a vented hood which should help but i'm just not they're they're fucking expensive they're expensive and they will get my shit wet i think so yeah trying to avoid it for now my mr2 came with a vented hood from the factory i mean it doesn't have wrapped headers or anything but it has these vents and then it has like little fuddles underneath them to direct the rainwater like away from anything important. Yeah, I I think so. A lot of the aftermarket vented hoods really aren't taking that kind of consideration. Yeah. Um, they're generally they're pretty wide open, which is like fine. And I don't even know if it's an issue. Like maybe it's not an issue to get them wet. I don't know. I've heard that that wrap can get really brittle, though. And like through heat cycling and then getting wet and shit. I don't think that's great for your headers. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know, but I kind of don't want to fucking take the chance because it's very expensive if I'm wrong. I so anyway, I've always heard people argue against wrapping your headers, but yeah, that's, you know, it was one of those, I kind of just made the decision cause I didn't have them wrapped before and they cracked and I was just like, fuck it. Let's, let's wrap them. Let's make it slightly less hot under my hood. And like, it's hot under there as it is. So I, I, don't know if it, how much worse it would be if they were not wrapped. I mean, if I understand correctly, it actually makes your exhaust hotter, though, because you're insulating your the exhaust. exhaust. It makes your exhaust hotter, but not your... It, it keeps that heat from leaking into the under under your hood. Oh, yeah. What were you saying? Cracked? Oh, so it, my headers had cracked before when they were not wrapped. So I had okay. to replace them. Yeah, so... So, like, I've heard that they may be wrapping them can cause headers to crack sooner, and I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I had non-wrapped headers crack, so fuck it at this point. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. So, anyway, you know, that's, that's an Anytime issue. Anytime you're right? doing performance shit of any sort, there's a trade-off. Yeah. You, you, you got to make executive decisions. But exactly. So, um, anyway, so with the cooling stuff, um, it's going to go to my guy over during the week, and I'll see if he can make any improvements um, before this next track event. Worst case scenario, uh, I'll kind of just get through how I did the last event, and I mean, it should be fine. It's just, it, it's one of those, I'd like to not overheat if I can avoid it, or get a few more laps before I start overheating. And also, it'd be cool if I didn't have to keep the fucking heat on when it's 90 degrees i don't yeah. enjoy that very much it's not fun <laughs> so uh so yeah so that's all that then um real quick i did want to report on uh my dyno tuning stuff um i this might be repeating some stuff because i don't remember how far i got but uh the long and short of it is right now i'm running a stock computer and a whole bunch of modifications and the stock computer has some limitations in the tuning um, so that seems to be a lot of the tuning issues that I've talked about. Um, you know, the rev hang and shit like that. All these issues I was having, it seems it was not because of the tuner. It was because of my stock computer not being able to keep up. So it kind of feels have... like something the tuner should know, though. Well, yeah, it, it's one of those who fucking knows. It's all black magic at the end of the day. So they seem to think it's 
that with a standalone ECU, like if I were to change over to like a standalone, they can tune for all this stuff that they can't do on the stock computer. Like they can tell me like, yeah, here's what I would do if you had a stock or uh, an aftermarket ECU, but like on the stock computer, I can't change this parameter or I can only change this, you know, 15% one way or the other. I can't go the full whatever. So there's a bunch of parameters that I would be able to change more and they can build it start to finish. So, you know, with, with an aftermarket ECU, that's how they get like thousand horsepower cars to be like run normally on the street and be like, actually feel like a factory car almost the, I always thought that like an aftermarket ECU was like balls of the wall race car and that's all it's good for. But the truth is what those ECUs are good at is making a fucked up, you know, race car drive normally is what they're really good at actually. Yeah. So I didn't I mean, know that before. <laughs> I think the one thing you can't do with the aftermarket ECU is pass an emissions test. Right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> so I, so here's what I have to think about. Um, one, I have the option. I don't like to use it, but I have the option to register my car somewhere else if I had to. But the other thing I can do is wire in an aftermarket ECU, but leave my factory computer with like a reasonable tune. That's like, it'll run basically the tune I have right now. If I were to add a second ECU, I can just like fucking unplug that, put it back into my stock ECU whenever I got to pass emissions and just do that. Um, so I'll run like a regular tune and then on the aftermarket ECU, I'll run like the real tune, like the real fucking thing. So that's kind of the workaround there is what I'm thinking. And at that point, of course, if I'm going to do all that, it's going to cost me some money. So I naturally have to convert it to E85 and, you know, be, be able to do all of that, too. So, you know, I'm going to make I'm going to make it worth it, basically. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of the long Long story short, tuning issues I've had seem to be limitations of the stock computer and what the uprev tuning software can allow. Um, I'm just kind of like at the limits of what is normally capable on a stock computer um, with my setup. So um, that sucks. Um, but, you know, aftermarket ECU seems like a natural um, next step for me. So so there's all that. Is there, but, uh, is there like a plug and play aftermarket mm -hmm. ECU? Uh, I did find one. I, I'm looking right now. I'm not 100% sold on it yet, but uh, there's a Link ECU um, and that seems to be a, a good choice. And in fact, the tuner who's been tuning my car, he was like, oh yeah, I actually have one of those in my car. It's great. And I was like, oh, okay. That, that helps. I can only imagine for a Z, there's a lot of options. There's, yeah, I mean, there are, but they're all kind of like universal to some extent. There's Haltex, there's Pro EFI, there's all kinds of different things. It's just like a link is going to be a plug and play. As far as I know, that's one of the only plug and play options. The rest are going to be like, this shit has to be rewired kind of computer. Gotcha. Uh, and I would like to avoid that if I can. They might even be better, but like the cheaper plug and play option for me to still pass emissions test is like the link ECU. Um, and just for reference, I think that thing is listing at like $1,650 or some shit. So like this oh, is I'll not shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> um it's not bad for what it is, but like it's it's an expense that, you know, gonna have to save up a little bit for. So yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with all the tuning stuff. But uh anyway, that's a lot 
that I may have already talked about, and I just don't remember because I drink when I'm on the show. So sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, also, my memory's just, bad sober. So I think you just accidentally touched on why I like old cars because I don't <laughs> trust used electronics. And sixteen hundred dollars, like no, that's a whole car to me. Like I buy, <laughs> I buy motors for like four or five hundred dollars, and then a carburetor for fifty bucks, and an intake for another hundred. And I'm like six hundred dollars into this thing with not a wire to be seen, so I, mean, I can so trust I, it. I got I got bougie ass taste when it comes to my car stuff. Like that's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like this sounds like a joke, and it, it is because I just like old stuff. But I'm being like serious to agree, like to a degree, like. There are like upgrades, things that do require electronics that I have found used and I won't buy them because you, I don't trust used electronics, especially That's of fair. the, na- like uh, a friend of mine bought a used sniper EFI kit from Holly and it didn't work. And because it was used, Holly basically told him to fuck himself. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's all buy it new. You got to get that support for it. And you know, it's, it's a whole thing. But yeah. like for me, yeah, it's so it's a big expense. Um, with that said, I think, especially mostly because of the timing, but also the cost. I think I'm. I had mentioned I'm going to be buying some fancy wheels. I think I'm just going to push that back a little bit. Um, I'm going to order those probably in like December because they're three or four months out. So I'll get them in the spring. Because um, I'm like, at this point, like, why use that? Why spend that money now? Get my wheels in the winter when I can't use them. And then also additionally have to save up for this computer when it's like, okay, why don't I save up, get the fucking computer, um, and then over the winter, order the fucking wheels that'll show up in spring. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's sort of like a just delaying the gratification of the fancy wheels or whatever, which whatever. I I mean, I like them. They, They look cool. But like for right now, the whole reason I was getting wheels was because my um my white ones are too wide, um, but I'm just using the stock wheels when I'm drifting and that's holding up just fine. So I, I found a, a good enough solution that like, I don't have to rush on the wheels. So yeah, th- so that's where I'm at with that. But anyway, the whole big part of why I'm talking about tuning stuff at all um, is I know I have not talked about this on the air, but um there's one difference in my car from when I last went and got tuned about a year ago to when I went back. So there's only one difference in my car. And that difference is the first time I got tuned, the car did not have catalytic converters. It had test pipes on it. It has since had high flow catalytic converters put on. So the only difference from one tuning session to the next is the addition of catalytic converters. Can we guess? hmm? You can guess. So, so go ahead and guess um, what you think the effect was of the catalytic converters. Okay. Can can we do this? What was the, uh, what was your power when, when you had the test pipes on? Okay. So test pipes were uh, 277 wheel torque. And 312 horsepower. And I want I want to clarify something real quick. This is on um, a Mustang dyno. And the dyno, as, as they've explained to me, I don't know how true it is. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. What they said is the dyno basically is somehow calibrated to your specific car. So that, like, if I go back any given day, 
it should read pretty much exactly the same. Um, and I do have, I have reason to believe that that is true, we'll say. But um, so this dino should theoretically account for all changes, whatever, and still read accurately for my car. And then it's also worth noting the internet tells me that Mustang dinos read somewhere between five and 15% lower than like a traditional like dino jet. Um, because it just, it puts on like a certain load or something to give you like a more real world number. Um, so these numbers I'm saying are the only numbers that I have, but like if I was on a dino jet, it's conceivable that I would read five to 15% higher, which I think around my power level would equate to 15 to whatever, almost 40 more horsepower potentially. Um, again, don't know how true that is, but the internet consensus is Mustang dinos read uh, considerably lower. Hmm. So, okay. yeah, just a, a quick note. So, anyway, given those numbers, what do you th- what are you guys thinking? Um, I don't remember torque. And I'm just going to guess horsepower. 377. 377. And, three, and 312 uh, wheel horsepower. I'm going to I'm going to guess uh 373 torque and three three oh i'm sorry 270 yeah yeah okay yeah. 273 okay 273 and 304 okay bryant i'm gonna guess you lost five horsepower and two torque okay you're both very close but in all the ways that matter you're both very very wrong okay um and your assumptions were in what i've was told is correct but um i didn't lose shit Okay. Didn't lose a goddamn thing. Yeah. So the high flow cats, I got 285 wheel torque this time. So an increase. Now, granted, I don't think that's because of the catalytic converters. I think that's because we tried uh, slightly different fueling and, and timing, um, which I had to go back to the old fueling map with the new timing map. Long story. Don't need to get into I it. You, said you didn't change anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, well, you can't throw in variables after, after oh, the fact. Hold yeah. on, hold on. That's after. Yeah, don't worry about that. That's after the fact. What <laughs> okay. I actually tested was 285 torque at the wheels and 312 uh, horsepower. So the horsepower oh, remained okay. unchanged. The torque was a little bit increased. Um, and then we had to, because he was, he, he just had better, uh, he had a better knock sensor system that he could like listen to knocks in the engine. So he could actually get a little bit, a bit of, bit more fine tuning. But because I had some uh, issues where the car was stalling and shit that I did mention on the air, um, we ended up going back to the old fuel table because um, it just it worked a little bit better with the car not stalling and shit. So um, the timing is the same. So I don't know if it's it's going to make either one of those numbers is going to be it's in that ballpark. But the important thing is when it was tested on the dyno, these are the numbers it made with the catalytic converters. So. Those high flow cats didn't cost me shit. Yeah. And that's that's like that's the important thing to note here is that running catalytic converters didn't cost me any horsepower. Um, they definitely didn't. I didn't gain because I'm running catalytic converters. That's for sure. But like I didn't lose anything either. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that just means that it's not enough of a restriction to make a difference. Like you've got a restriction maybe somewhere else, but 
Well, and so I'm basically really I'm just kind of making the point that like if you're thinking about like, oh, maybe I should get rid of my catalytic converters. Just don't Um, get the high flow cats if you really want to. I don't know what stock cats would would, you know, maybe restrict it a little bit more. But um, honestly, for performance, you're not really gaining much, at least on this car. I can't speak for any, you know, other cars or forced induction or things like that. But at least on, you know, my 350Z. The adding of a catalytic converter did not cost me fucking anything. So yeah. there's a lot of people that wouldn't believe that. They'd be like, oh, my God, you know, you get 15 horsepower by taking your catalytic converters off. Um, I, I would be very skeptical of those claims. Um, I mean, that, that might be true, be true of the factory one. Like, I, yeah, I maybe the, the high flow ones, you know, of course, they're more open and they have less surface area for the catalyst to work on, which means that eventually as they age they'll basically not be able to pass emissions like that's what happened with my high flow cap yeah. on my subaru um, i will say at the very least for right now my exhaust doesn't smell like shit all the time which is <laughs> fucking great i love it i'm like oh my god i can stand behind the car and like not cough it's amazing yeah. so um i like that aspect of it and i was actually pretty surprised to find out that i didn't lose any power by putting those on so um, in case you were wondering or you have friends who are maybe wondering or thinking about taking their catalytic converters off, maybe convince them to go with a high flow cat over um, test pipes. Because honestly, you're, you're, you're probably not losing anything with the high flow cats. So I just thought that was interesting that like it worked out in such a way that I actually got to test it um, with and without cats uh, with no other changes. And so I can report to the listeners that, you know, yeah. High flow cats are probably the way to go if you can. Cool. In my experience, if you if you have a high flow cat, you end up having to clean its litter box more often. I would, yeah, <laughs> I would imagine that's true as well. I do have to go in there and uh, pull all the little poops out um, a little more frequently, but you know. Oh, side tangent: Have you ever seen like videos of cars that like they're on the two step or whatever, and then like the catalyst just flies out the back of the exhaust. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't use my flame tune anymore because I have these. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to become one of those, those, uh, videos. Yeah. Uh, I saw another one of those videos where someone put, uh, jack-o'-lanterns on the exhaust pipes. Oh, I just saw that one the other day. That was my favorite one so far. I love that one. Yep. Yeah. Maybe one of you guys posted it. I forget. I post, I did post, I shared that to our stories like months and months and months ago. I, this could be a slightly different video, but I think the one I saw, I think was, God, this is going to sound really stupid. Like I don't remember it, but it was either a Mustang or it was a VW Golf. It was one of the two and I don't remember which it was. Yeah. I couldn't tell what car it was. It was too dark. All I saw was the jack-o'-lantern lighting up. So, so it could be a different video entirely, yeah. but uh, yeah, I have seen that. It's a, God, I hope it's that there's just video. a string of those videos. That would be excellent. <laughs> but uh anyway so that's all i got little little reporting there on the catalytic converters oh. and uh i'm having cooling issues i hope to fix before i go and beat the shit out of the car this weekend uh one Again. thing i'll say real quick that I, I forgot to mention which isn't related to my car but um i had the good fortune of one of our listeners passing through town and hanging out with me so uh joe it was good hanging out with you and everyone if you're in portland or willing to have something shipped or whatever and want some upholstery done hit up uh sewer rat upholstery on on instagram so that is an amazing name (laughs) that's great (laughs) uh yes super good dude fun fun hang out with him 
I don't think I'll ship him my entire uh, seat in my MR2, but it does need some reupholstering. Uh, you know, it's just, it's mostly just that I like trying to like get the word out about any of our, yeah, our people. Yeah, like, yeah. Hell, maybe we got another fucking commie listener in the Portland area that wants something done and now they know who to go to. Hell yeah. I could go look on our analytics map, but it's mostly that giant red spot around the DC area. <laughs> that just kind of <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of listeners in the Pentagon. <laughs> I you know what sometimes I'm like oh I hope to, I hope we don't have feds listening but honestly sometimes I'm like you know what I hope they're wasting their time on us I hope <laughs> they're spe- they've got more than one person listening to our stupid ass show oh yeah I, I love it how how much federal time can we waste <laughs> oh yeah that's 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 our we're contribution a, we're a make the only explosions today. they ever talk about are their cars and making fun of nine eleven. <laughs> Just just think of it like a make work program for contractors or agents or whatever they call themselves. We're 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 creating jobs, you know. Yeah, we're creating jobs at the Pentagon to listen yeah. to our garbage. Oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean they could be doing something a lot better with their time. Um no, 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 they can't. They should be listening because any moment we could utter the next, uh, I don't know, threat or something. Keep listening, goddammit. I utter threats constantly and people have the decency to edit them out. Yeah. Well, now you just got them real interested. Now there's going to be <laughs> two or three people listening, just in case. <laughs> yeah, say something spicy so I can beep it out just for fun. <laughs> well, I mean... We're doing a news episode and there's some billionaires involved, so I don't I don't think oh, we yeah, need yeah. to like rush okay. the process. I think it's gonna happen pretty organically. <laughs> yeah, I've got some things to say myself that I can edit it out. <laughs> so someone we're, we're, I can't wait till we get to the flying car news story because I got I got <laughs> things to say there. The essence of free market corporate capitalism is the transformation of living living nature into commodities and commodities into dead capital. Alright, we're back and it's time for the news. So, of course, some of these stories are a little bit old uh, by the time we're getting to them. And by the time, this by the time comes... you're hearing them, they're definitely old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's news to us right now. So we're not just trying, trying to keep you yet. informed. You're already informed. We're just trying to make fun of assholes. <laughs> yeah. There and this go. might, uh, this might be some of the stuff that you've missed. Uh, if you, if you weren't uh, paying attention to some of the more obscure stuff that we look at, but, um, Let's see. Did we want to start off with the, a brief thing about uh, hybrid cars here, or are we saving that for later? I let's think do, we let's touch on brief. it. Yeah, let's touch on it. Okay. Uh, well, this is an article, or maybe I guess you could call it an op-ed by uh, James Gilboy, friend of the show, on the drive. Um, the title is "Toyota is right. We need more hybrid cars and fewer EVs. Here's why." And James basically ran the numbers on. You know, if you have a certain number of batteries or a certain amount of battery capacity that 
the battery industry can produce in one year, is that better used for making fully electric vehicles or hybrid cars or plug-in hybrids? Um, and it seems, you know, it's it makes more sense from an emissions standpoint to spread out those batteries across as many vehicles as possible to, to make, you know, hybrid cars rather than fully EVs. Uh, and that yeah, will and save... I, Sorry, uh, I was just going to say, I, I feel like, so the way that this article is, it's an interesting perspective, specifically because you're looking at something on a systemic level with some amount of planning versus indiv- almost like an individualized sort of approach. So like, is an EV going to put out individually you know, um, less emissions than a hybrid car. Yes. Right. So on an individual level, the EV is better hands down. There's no question about it. However, when you multiply how many cars there are on the roads and replacing them with EVs versus going with hybrids, there is a case to be made that like actually the, um, hybrid cars, which still put out emissions versus an electric car that doesn't sort of, you know, outside of the, um, production of it, it still winds up being a net positive to use more hybrids than EVs, which I think is just, it's an interesting juxtaposition between that like individualist approach versus an actual systemic way of approaching things. Like we need the m- greatest number of cars to be efficient rather than a few that are totally no emissions. Yeah. And, and like, I've made fun of it for a long time, as have you guys, but I didn't have like concrete information in front of me. But it just it always seems somewhat intuitive to me that the whole goal of EVs was not to actually reduce pollution. It was to relocate pollution to the global south or in terms of energy production, uh, you know, in parts of the country where, you know, NIMBYs didn't throw a fuss. Yeah, yeah. But like it was it was it was always just to, to make a certain class of people happy. And, and I'm not necessarily saying like bourgeois, but like anyone who can afford an EV and wants to feel good about themselves, like they're helping the environment. It's it's more of a performance, I think, than an actual like solution to anything. Yeah. And like I feel like EVs can have their place like like they do serve a function. And I'm not totally against EVs entirely. But when you look at the resources, yeah, subway cars which, rule. <laughs> well, but, but when you look at the way the resources are used, and unfortunately, these resources that are limited, which James goes through in this article, um, spreading those resources out to vehicles that will just still put out emissions, but you know fewer emissions, is probably a better model than like a few cars that have no emissions versus and just not being able to produce enough of them. So I don't know if there's any, any amount that we wanted to read from the article, uh, Brian, but um, I want, I want hybrids that um, I can convert to run off of moonshine so that once the apocalypse happens, I can like still, I'll go find a Prius and just, you know, dump whatever I I homebrewed in my backyard into the tank and get where I need to go. I genuinely think, like, if you, I'm sure there's like an E85 conversion kit. There's got to be for a Prius, and I, then I'm pretty sure at that point you can literally just pour like one gallon of gasoline and three gallons of alcohol or something. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure it'll work. 
I know a lot of American cars are flex fuel, but I don't know if that extends to like American hybrid cars. Well, you'd so. have to do a con- you'd have to get like bigger injectors and a better fuel pump. But uh, outside well, I mean, of like that, a, like a lot of Fords and Chevys, uh, like at least from the like, I don't know, around 2010 were flex fuel from the factory. Um, they just, yeah, I don't know why they did that. Maybe it was for emissions or something, but, uh, flex fuel is, I mean, it's, it has fewer emissions. Um, E85 has fewer emissions than gasoline. You burn more of it, but it burns cleaner and has fewer emissions for the amount that you burn. Um, but flex fuel is basically if I were to do an E85 conversion on my car, I would get a flex fuel setup myself. So that whatever you have in the gas tank, it just measures as it goes in. Oh, it's got, you know, 60% E85 and then the other 40% is, you know, 93 octane gasoline. And it says, oh, at that mixture, it looks it up in the table and it it adjusts accordingly. So the factories were putting those kinds of systems out for a while. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I didn't really want to add too much uh, about this article. Like I would say... You know, if you're curious, if you're listening, go and read it. Um, it's it's, it's also article. something we've discussed doing an episode on, so we don't want to. Yeah, we'll we'll probably talk about this death. more. And and a lot of this also was covered um, by Joe Mayall uh, in one of his articles about you know he was talking more about the use case of full EVs and how a lot of people tend to you know if they have a Tesla or whatever it's a second or third car and they don't really drive it all that much. So like the savings aren't really there anyways, but in my experience, the people that have, let's say regular old hybrid cars like Priuses, they're just regular cars. They just drive them like a regular car. And my brother's got, I think over 200,000 miles on his. So uh, yeah, they're just ordinary cars. Um, but, I've, uh, I've genuinely like just because of, of commuting to work, I've genuinely thought about buying a Prius as a commuter. So it would become like my primary car. Yeah. And I've thought about getting a, a Chevy uh, Volt. You know, I think we talked about that on the previously, but I might still. Is that, if, any, uh, is that a full EV or is that a hybrid as well? It's a, a plug in. It's a plug in hybrid. So it's got uh, like a small uh, range extender. Um, and I forget exactly how the whole system works, but it can run on electric only, at least for like 20 miles or so. Yeah, which, that's cool. You know, that's a average commute for most people. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see. Oh, so we want to do the? <laughs> should we just go in the, in the order that I had posted these? Or? I feel like, yeah, I feel like next in the order is flying car. And I feel like we should probably talk about flying cars because like that oh, is the I benchmark. I want to talk about flying of... cars, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, a lot to that's, say. Well, that's always been the benchmark, too, is like, oh, at this year, we'll have flying cars and everyone's saying it. And apparently now there's a car that flies in some respect. Of Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I'm skeptical, but. You know, they showed an animation, so I don't know. Maybe it's real. <laughs> they have a rendering. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is a startup company called Aleph, uh, A-L-E-F. And their idea is basically to make a drone that's shaped like a car. Um, and so it's 
it's if you look at it from the top, it looks like a mesh sort of thing. Uh, but if you look at it from the side, it's sort of shaped like a car. It's got a big sort of bubble shaped cab in the middle where you would sit. And then it's got a whole bunch of fans in the hollow body area that would lift you up. And the idea is that once you get lifted up in the air, it'll tilt 90 degrees. And that sort of grid work becomes like uh, like a wing sort of or many small wings and it can fly horizontally. And then the cab will tilt 90 degrees so that, uh, you know, you can look out the window comfortably. Okay, so and... singular cool thing about this is that it seems to operate like Boba Fett's Slave 1 from Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a better way of thinking of it. For Only cool thing we can say about this. <laughs> Wait, so, okay, so, hold on. It flips horizontally? So, like, that's just a weird... I don't know, wouldn't it get generate more lift? It was, like, horizontal the way you would sit in it normally, or...? I, I think so you can the idea in theory, at least, is you can fly it like a helicopter with just the fans, uh, but it has limited range that way. And so when you flip it 90 degrees, the idea is that the sort of outside bodywork acts as a wing and that's more efficient than the fans just keeping it in the air. Um, OK. And so you have a longer range. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, okay, I, I said there was only one good thing to say about it, and that's that it looked like the Slave One from, from Star Wars. But uh, actually, I, I do think that there's more positive to say about this. Um, this is going to kill a lot of rich people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think that's... Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I'll there's... say that the, like, the price is more reasonable than I was expecting. So I do think that there's a lot of potential for it to off the petite bourgeois as well. But like... You know, they're not who I'm worried about, but I'm willing to take the loss. Yeah. I yeah, feel so, like if they can afford it, I, I, I'm cool with them with them biting it, for sure. Th Just imagine, if this thing is like going to be like a Tesla, but in the air, oh, guaranteed fatalities. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, you might want to wear a helmet when you're walking around. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, the uh, the sort of estimated cost is going to be $300,000. Um, this is not going to cost less than $500,000. <laughs> yeah. I would put um, money on this. But they say once they work out the economies of scale, they can, uh, you know, make something around th uh, $35,000, which, yeah. No, sure. I saw that. Yeah, I, uh, I do not believe that. They're going to make like a little RC plane for $35,000. <laughs> yeah. The, like the reason that they're never going to make this for $35,000 is that like they're going to have the, like like Tesla. Originally, they were like, we're going to make this super expensive car so that we can start making the cheap cars for everyone else. And it's going to go exactly the same way. Once everything goes to shit about every one to three days, uh, every person that can afford a $35,000 car which is, I'm, I'm going to say, the demographic that has the most in terms of quote-unquote common sense, uh, they're going to look at this and say, fuck no, I'm not touching that. Well, the other thing is, like, look, if you have a right, like, the average car is getting fucking expensive. Outrageously so. 35000 is, like, lower than the average. Granted, the average is including obnoxious big trucks and luxury SUVs and shit, but, like, $35,000 is, like, a pretty 
maybe higher end mid tier sedan at this point. So you're going to get a flying car for that price? No. The market at the very least will prevent that from happening. Like in a market economy, I'm sorry, you're not going to be like, should we get the fucking Camry for 35,000 or the flying <laughs> car? Not going to happen. So what whatever this company says, I can promise you the profit and the profit motive and the market will not allow any such thing unless the Camry starts flying for $35,000 in which case uh, all bets are off I guess but yeah no. then we're just living in the Jetsons world yeah no 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 the, the, it'll be minimum 150,000 forever yeah this goes back to what I was saying earlier where like at this point startup just is synonymous with microdosing like <laughs> <laughs> these people were so intent on like we're gonna make a flying car that they'd never like not to do the like oh they were so worried about whether or not they could they didn't think about whether or not they should like practically speaking like good on them if they make a perfectly functional flying car my uh, my criticisms which will not be brief uh one you're gonna need a fucking pilot's license to 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 drive to work now like <laughs> Uh, that's not as easy to get as you might think, unless you think it's kind of hard, in which case, yes, correct. Uh, <laughs> like, air traffic control, like, I'm sure that it's not going to throw that into, like, a complete shit fit, because these are going to be low-altitude vehicles, but they, it will throw it into a shit fit, because if more than, like, a hundred people in a city own one of these, they're going to have to take some pretty, like, exhausting measures to make sure that these cars aren't just flying into each other at high speeds randomly in the middle of fucking Times Square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> three, am I, am, I, am I to assume or believe that they are going to try and do a full self-driving sort of thing because they don't trust individual... They would rightfully not trust most individuals to be flying this. Especially, like... The people that have enough money to do this are the kind of people who aren't going to dedicate the amount of time necessary to be able to do this uh, safely and correctly. I'm like losing my train of thought because like, I don't know, dude, we're like halfway through the reasons that this isn't going to work. So like, what was their plan here? It, it actually does kind of make you wonder with all these like obvious things to point out. You're like, where did they get the investment money? Like, if I'm an investor, I'm like, this shit is not coming to market. Not at this price, not at any... Everything you're saying is bullshit. How are they getting people to invest? <laughs> That's right. what I want to know. Yeah. It's it's a producer's sort of situation. They're just trying to take the hit for a tax write-off. Yeah, maybe. I, there, there's one line in this I want to read. Um, Tilting rotors have famously been the source of disasters for the Marine Corps Osprey. <laughs> But they are the most basic approach, so still popular. <laughs> so is, is yeah. the Osprey okay? Okay, okay. Is the Osprey the the like twin helicopter thing yep. where it rotates? Yeah. Oh my god, that is famously dangerous. Yeah, like that's I, that's the that's the one that like test pilots are afraid to get into. Test pilots, yeah. like notoriously the most insane people like ever, are like, oh god, don't make me get in that. I want to go home tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, might as well have been invented by Al-Qaeda. <laughs> I do not think Al-Qaeda has killed as many U.S. military as the Osprey has. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, I, I mean, so... <laughs> Dude, the fact that they would mention the Osprey in the same breath as their own product is, like, from a marketing perspective, sheer, like, suicide. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, looking a little bit more through this uh, article, um, they do have a big funder named Tim Draper. Um, I don't know what his business is or where he gets the money, but he's, I guess, willing to spend some of it on dumb ideas. Um, they have a picture of the prototype, which is very basic and more boxy than the sort of mock-up car looking thing. Um, and it says that they've done some limited test flights in it, which I'm not 100% sure. I think it just means that they've lifted off the ground <laughs> slightly. I don't yeah. think they've actually flown it horizontally. Um, but uh, I, I do like that there's a whole section in this article with the header is this a good idea <laughs> and i think we know the answer to that okay i think that this company is already in need of rebranding and i i have the idea for them yeah uh, oh, if, you're, if you're if you're the president of this company get in touch with me you can use the uh cars and comrades email cars and comrades email i'm always available uh we're gonna need to change you to the titan air okay. <laughs> Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to find a way for it to implode in the air. Is that what you're saying? Well, air is the opposite of sub, so it'll explode. Yeah. Like, okay, that makes. But more real, sense. the real the real heart of this is that like it's gonna have the same effect on the people inside. Like, you're not walking <laughs> away from this. Nine times out of it. ten, maybe you walk away from this. I get like, I. I what, what do we think? Three, six months, maybe a year before like somebody's coming out and they're like, yeah, well, we, we saw the blueprints and we actually knew it was a death trap the entire time. But uh, they threatened to sue us out of life and limb if we said anything. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit longer because it seems like these fucking like scam companies last longer than you'd expect. So I'd give it two to three years. OK. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Two to three years. I think you're right. I just uh, don't want you to pick a son. <laughs> well, I mean, oh. the, you know, the era of uh, like low interest rates is over for now. But, you know, if there's some dumb billionaire that's willing to pump their own money into something dumb like this, then it could go on a long, lot longer. So who knows? All right. I, I, uh, I can I, I have to suggest something. If you're going to make this flying ship work. Uh, invest in expired carbon fiber. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong with it. It's cheap. You can get it from the U.S. Uh, Navy, Air Force, whatever. Hold on. Expired carbon fiber? Is that, uh, it's, does that it's have something the, to do with... It's oh my what the God, Titan no. sub was made no. <laughs> I knew that they were... Okay. I One of the things that I knew is they use carbon fiber, which is not good under pressure. It has good high tensile strength, but not like compressive yeah. strength. But two, they were screwing shit into the carbon fiber, which fucking, uh, yes, they put fucking screw. Okay, we're going to, this is a segue. We're going to be moving into the Titan sub debacle. We're, of course, we're going to say something about it. It's a vehicle and it had billionaires and they died. We have to talk about it. But they were screwing shit into the carbon fiber. Like their monitors and shit, they show pictures of them. It's like, yeah, they're fucking screwed into carbon fiber, which negates everything about carbon fiber if you ruin that fucking carbon weave that's it it's you ruin the integrity I mean, 
I do think that there are ways. I do think that there are ways to. And I've I've been reading and I tried to look into it and I can't tell that there's a genuine. Is this just us smoothly transitioning into talking about the Titan sub now? Um, That's the next story on the list, so it actually yeah, works out perfectly. I'm good with it. I I couldn't find anything about what happens to carbon fiber when it quote unquote expires, so I don't really know what that means. I think it's irrelevant because even if it was perfectly like intact, good carbon fiber, it still would have been fucking dangerous. Yeah, I did, so I uh, I have to admit I didn't know it could expire either, but like the fact that it did expire. I feel like you should ask more questions before you use it in your goddamn submarine. Oh, I, dude, I feel the, like you're the like, owner was bragging to people about how much money he saved by using expired carbon fiber that he got from, I, I think, the U.S. Air Force. Uh, he said Boeing. He said it was Boeing, but... Uh, you know, when we on there, yeah, yeah. Uh, Boeing said that, no, we had no business with this company. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's uh, them covering their asses or um, if... if um, Mr. Rush was just making shit up or what? Yeah, it does kind of seem like in the last few weeks, suddenly nobody had any business dealings with this company. He <laughs> <laughs> um, bought all of the materials off of weird eBay stores. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like if, if like one of us tried to build a submarine. <laughs> right? <laughs> Someone that doesn't really know that much about engineering or material science or <laughs> submarines. You know what? Uh, this is cocky of me. I'm good with that. Uh, I could build a better submersible than him. I mean, partially because you'd probably listen to like experts on basic yeah. stuff, which when, I heard. Hold on. So one of the things that I forget what part it was, but I think it was like the um, the big cap on like that goes around the entire hole. It was secured with, I think they said, 17 bolts. And when I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? Because, like, if you think about a flange, like an ANSI class 150, the most basic ANSI class flange you can get, which is rated to, like, 285 PSI. Don't know why they call it ANSI 150. It's a whole other thing. But rated to 285 PSI. That would have, I, I don't know the math, but it would be a lot more than 17 volts. On something that big, like whatever it was, 40-something inch diameter, um, 60, I, I don't actually know the diameter. It would be, I don't know, at least a fucking a 100 or 200 volts for just ANSI 150. To get to the depths they were talking about, they have to be at like ANSI 1500 or 2500. There would have to be a fucking bolt every quarter to a half inch apart would be like the maximum allowable uh, distance between those bolts around the fucking diameter of that hole. And they had 17 bolts. It was like I, I read that. And I was like, oh, that's fucking stupid as shit. <laughs> like, holy Christ. Like just the level of how how inadequate this thing was is just shocking. Well, you guys have seen that there were numerous slap suits from the company because people actually did try to speak out about how unsafe it was, right? Yeah. So um, uh, what was the guy's name? I've got it in the article here. Um, one of the previous um, employees of the Ocean Gate company was he was basically like their safety officer. Um, and they're, you know, uh, a guy named McCallum, I think. Um he 
you know, there he his he was in charge of safety and and he's like, I don't feel comfortable putting my stamp on this. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for this. You know, I'm going to resign and I'm going to write you a letter with all the problems with it so you can correct these. And if you don't, then it's on you, basically. Um, and then I think they sued him for like, <laughs> I don't remember what, like <laughs> a slander or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I here, let me just go through a couple stats for it um, uh, on some of the things that they cut corners on. Um the window that they had for the the front of it um, was designed to reach depths of uh, um, 1,300 meters, um, but the uh, Titanic is around 4,000 meters deep. <laughs> so uh, they were just hoping that it had, you know, like a three-time safety factor and they would be okay. Uh, well, no, you have to understand, like, they overrate those things. And if, if it starts cracking or anything, like, you just turn around, you go home. Well, that was <laughs> their plan, actually. Um, oh, my they God. Had, they, didn't, they didn't know no. that it was, like, like, instantaneous? Yeah. So they had... <laughs> they, the they're, first they're thinking time... of the movies where it, like, cracks and it's this whole suspenseful <laughs> thing instead of just, boom, that's it. You're done. Yeah. You don't get it. You don't, you don't have time to change anything. So the first time they took it down, like, on a test run... <laughs> They heard cracking and popping sounds and <laughs> they went down again. No, no, no. Actually, like, okay, I, I will weirdly be the voice of reason here because I think that they were things that people criticize that are not indicative of anything. Submarines make awful noises when you, yeah. when you submerge, that is actually moderately normal. Well, it's compression. It's, I'm sure it's terrifying, but it's normal. It's not normal as ignoring your safety engineers and regulators, but you know, whatever. I feel and, like cracking shouldn't be one of those sounds that is normal, though, right? Well, I mean, so what they said was that each time they went down, it was becoming less and less the popping sounds. So they're like, "Oh, oh. it's just settling in. It's you know flexing a little bit, but it's you know." And I, I think getting... there is truth in that. Yeah, okay. but okay. like, um, what they did do was they put in. I think they called it an acoustic monitoring system, where they basically taped a bunch of or glued a bunch of like microphones or contacts like piezoelectric microphones all over the hall. And the idea is that it'll hear a cracking sound and it's got some alarm that will go off. If any of these sensors detect, you know, signs of cracking and the indication went off in the point zero zero three seconds before they died. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. It would have offered a few seconds of, of, uh, you know, warning. And that's from the logs that they have. That's what happened is basically they got one, this warning. They dropped all their ballast. They started rising up again, but it was too late. And then it exploded or imploded, I should say. Um, I oh, I didn't know that, that we had those logs at this point. That Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah I didn't basically, either. basically, they, they got the signal that they had dropped ballast. They, they lost what contact. Is, what is ballast? So like weights, basically. Yeah. Okay. So like, gotcha. So like, if you're scuba diving, you have like, um, and if you, if you want to go below a certain depth, you usually have a belt of lead weights. And if you if you're like really in trouble and you're not worried about decompression, you just take off that belt and let it drop, and you shoot up just from buoyancy from the big tank of air that you have. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine it's something similar. Uh, I don't know if they had like an electromagnet holding it on or whatever. Like submarines um, have systems to like. 
increase or decrease buoyancy uh, their ballast so yeah. that they can can dive or you know rise yeah gotcha. sometimes like on like navy submarines i think they have like compressed air that forces water out of a tank and then it fills it up with just air and that becomes you know more buoyant um so some other stats on this um it was uh 22 feet long 6.7 meters uh, 142 centimeters or 56 inches in diameter. Um, the uh, two titanium hemispheres on either end with bonded to carbon fiber cylinder. Um, and like, as you said, you know, carbon fiber is really good in tension, but not in compression, which, you know, there are carbon fiber pressure vessels out there like scuba tanks or whatever, but they're keeping the pressure on the inside, not the outside. So, yeah. And, and also things that are smaller, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also things that aren't going to 4,000 meters <laughs> or have five people in them. Um, yeah. So it was a, a five inch thick hull. Um, I think that they I heard somewhere that they had originally planned it to be seven inches, but there was some problem with their supplier and they could only get five inches and they're like, uh, that's probably good enough. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh my so, god! They really just said fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> at every turn they said fuck it. How many corners can you cut? Like that's what they were testing. It's yeah, and I forget which podcast I heard this on. I think it was um, QAnon Anonymous. Uh, I want to say it might have been a different one. They um, uh, the Virgin Galactic guy. What's his name? Branson. Richard, um, Branson. Richard Branson. Yeah. Right? He Dick had, Branson. Sorry. He had in, invested in another company that was trying to make carbon fiber submarines. And they basically figured out, you know, this is a bad idea and just abandoned the investment and like never built them. But um, yeah, it's, it's not good for what, what they're doing. Like they tried to cheap out basically instead of like most of these submersibles that go down this deep have, you know, they're spherical pressure, pressure vessels that you put the people in and you can only hold one or two people in them. And they're like, well, what if we, you know, take those two hemispheres and we pull them apart and put a cylinder in the middle and then we can fit more people in there and make this. Yeah, what commercial... if we just weaken the, the base structure? <laughs> um, what if we take all the benefits of this particular geometric shape and we got rid of them so that we could fit more people to kill? In one place. What if we make it rectangular so it's more comfortable to sit in? <laughs> um, and then, uh, so, hold on a second. I, I, I don't feel, know the... I feel like, I just to me, this whole story just does feel like sort of an extreme billionaire-laden, you know, cautionary tale of why you don't buy the cheapest parts on Rock Auto. And why exactly. sometimes it's like, hey, best to go with OEM or proven race parts that are generally very pricey. But this is the difference between like Megan racing uh, coilovers versus like something like, uh, you know, Stance or even BC or something. Something better than Megan racing. Don't yeah. always go for the cheapest shit because, well, you know, yeah. here you go. This is a billionaire trying to use like the Megan racing of fucking every piece of this goddamn submarine. So, yeah, yeah. 
if you don't want to end up in the situ the same situation on the road or on the track, you know, get like mid tier parts or better, and don't cut corners like this guy. I want to say it's like buying your submersible from from Harbor Freight, but I feel like even Harbor Freight is no. at least like realistic about what you're getting from them. Yeah, yeah. they'll tell you, hey, you can't go down to four thousand meters, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll sell uh, you this submersible, but we don't recommend that you actually put it in the water. <laughs> no, they'd let you put it in the water, but they would be like, yo, 150 meters. Okay, it's Harbor Freight. That's what you're going to get. You're not getting 4,000. You're not getting 2,000. Go down 150 meters. That's farther than a human should be able to go anyway. Somebody makes a YouTube video that gets it down to 300 safely. <laughs> you do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a recall that they crack at <laughs> 60 meters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm wondering if I should make a meme for the account about this submarine and just put like Harbor Freight logos on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. As long as we don't get in legal trouble for that. I don't know if, we're, I don't think, I don't I don't know think if Harbor are. Freight gives a shit about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love them, so. Yeah, we, yeah, we, well, hold on. We've given them good press, so. Yeah. <laughs> They're they're good if you want to get cheap tools that might break bad. If no, you want to I disagree. I say buy the second tier of Harbor Freight tools, and you have yeah. just as good as you're going to get from like Home Depot right. or Lowe's or whatever. I, I, um, I actually like will actually kind of stand for Harbor Freight tools now. Just don't buy the cheapest thing they've got. Buy the second cheapest. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I think that's that's true of any like bargain store. Anyways, like. It wasn't true of Harbor Freight five or ten years ago. They've legitimately gotten right. better, man. Yeah. And anything of what there's with an electric motor on it will last a fucking lifetime, dude. I'm still using a, a, a tabletop belt sander that I bought from them in like 2011 or 2012. Hell yeah. Yeah. Good shit. I'm right, buying anyway, submersible now. from them. Don't take it to 4,000 meters, but <laughs> you know, fuck it. Take it to the lake near your house. <laughs> You know, right now I'm I'm contemplating returning an air compressor and getting the same thing at Harbor Freight because it's ten dollars cheaper. I don't know if but, I'd go through that much effort. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, I did have one more article about this whole thing that I wanted to look at, um, and this is just something from the Daily Cost that my friend sent me. So I don't know how true this is, um, but you know, one of the things that uh, Ocean OceanGate did was um, classify the uh, the customers as mission specialists, <laughs> and I think a lot of this to do with, was was basically to make them feel special, like they're actually doing <laughs> science rather than just riding yeah. in a tube for a couple hours or whatever. Um, but this person on Daily Cost is saying they basically did that to avoid uh, legal liability because employees are worth less as far as like an insurance thing than customers are. So like there's less liability if you kill a customer. I mean, uh, um, if you kill an employee than a customer as far as okay, if I wasn't yeah, if I wasn't already a communist, uh, I just would become a communist immediately <laughs> during that. Like, are you fucking kidding me? What? Texas okay, just legalized killing your employees. Actually, no, Texas just encouraged killing your employees. Right. Oh, with the, uh, you, yeah, you don't have to be like, oh, they don't you need don't, water. You don't have to give them breaks for water in like situations where that's obviously warranted. There's already been multiple deaths because of it. 
Really? I, yeah. There was a part of me that was like, okay, but like, what kind of idiot company would be like, okay, you can't stop and drink water? Because like, that just seems stupid. I didn't think, wow, that's already, wow. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Because once it's no longer their fault, why not? Yeah. I guess. They don't have to care. <sighs> See, I have a soul, so I can't be a capitalist and I can't think like a capitalist, but dear God. <laughs> yeah. I... I have just enough of a soul to be a communist, but not so much of a soul that I haven't started looking for these people's home addresses. I think, no, I think it takes anyone with a soul is looking at the, for these people's home addresses. That's what I think. Well, just saying, I mean, not saying you have to do anything with that home address, but like knowing the location of these people is a good thing. Dude, not to derail things completely, but did you see the Ron Perlman video about like the Screen Actors Guild? <laughs> yes. And yes. Ron Perlman has now all but completely and openly advocated the burning down of producers' homes. Yeah, or maybe he just himself threatened to burn down their homes. I, I think it was specifically Rob Iger, uh, who the is that the CEO of Disney, right? Yeah. He named someone, or he didn't name anyone specifically, but he gave specific enough details so that somebody knew who they were talking about. Oh, wait, no, no, yeah. he, t- he targeted the guy who said the thing about letting people be kicked out and evicted from their homes. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like, there's more than one way to lose your home. <laughs> <laughs> you can lose your home because you're evicted? Something could happen to your home? <laughs> uh, yeah, Ron Perlman, he's aight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of always felt like he probably was, and now I'm right. Yeah, so yeah, he was. <laughs> Ron Perlman, please don't do anything in the next week or two to to prove to me that you're terrible. Yeah, it's like also if you listen to this show, sick. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was. It's kind of like you know, um, maybe you don't want to look into these people too much because like. On, on the group chat was someone was talking about Fran Drescher and how awesome she is on labor. And then she's uh, a Zionist. She's a Zionist. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's been going hard cause she's the, the head of the screen actors guild and has re- said some really fucking hard shit. And then someone was like, Oh, I looked into it and she's a Zionist. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And I don't know. I recently found out that the guitar player for sleep is an anti-Semite, which is pretty disappointing disappointing but i'm not gonna say it's terribly surprising mm-hmm. right i like I them but they're band. fucking what's up i said i don't know that band but uh formative doom metal band just like sabbath worship kind of shit gotcha um yeah that's unfortunate yeah um oh the only other thing i have to add is that you know um ocean gate made the passengers like sign this extensive uh waiver basically saying it's not our fault if you die um but i did see uh i forget the guy's name it's some youtuber that's a lawyer that it was explaining like you know okay so this is under the law of the bahamas but like you know (laughs) uh you know they might be covered for um you know i forget what they call like regular negligence but there's something called gross negligence where it's like if you like repeatedly ignored warning signs like you're still on the hook for damages so like you know this company is probably not going to exist uh in the near future well i mean and, their uh, owner is dead so yeah, <laughs> I, i'm sure i'm sure there are people to take over but like na- nature did the hard work here 
I did think it was funny that um, after it was confirmed that the sub exploded or imploded, I should say, um, they posted a, um, a job posting on their website for a, a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, uh, that, that was very fun. It's like, wow, can't even wait a week. Capitalism, baby. <laughs> I just love that, like, with the orcas and, and, and this and everything else, like, the ocean is doing all the hard work for us right now. <laughs> well, uh, we did have one uh, one more story. Uh, where did it go? Of a... Uh, a um... Fuck, where did it go? Hold on a second. All right, let me just start over. Um well, we did have one more story of a, uh, a billionaire uh, tragically dying. And, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I, I don't understand what you mean. What, what do you mean tragically? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I was being very serious. Comically? <laughs> um, and this has uh, two local connections because he's from Chicago and he died in Colorado. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. There's a guy named guy. James Crown who um, was... Uh, racing at Aspen Motor Sports Park. Um, so up in the mountains near Aspen. Um, Which, by the way, just got to say, this literally happened the same weekend as fucking the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. And I was like, oh, something happened at Pikes Peak. And then I discovered, nope, totally unrelated to Pikes Peak. <laughs> yeah. Which is genuinely a very dangerous uh, race. And this was just at some regular motorsports park. So... <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, figure out like what kind of car he was driving in. I oh, I can tell you what kind of car. It was a Toyota Crown. <laughs> was it? I thought it was. <laughs> I thought that's what it was because, but his name is Crown. I thought maybe. Yeah, we were so it's the... it's very confusing. And also, how do you drive a Toyota Crown hard enough to fucking die in it on a racetrack? But I don't right. know. You did. <laughs> yeah, because that's yeah. like just a. A big soft sedan, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Toyota Avalon, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Yeah, not and a race car. You... <laughs> not a fucking race car. Don't know what this guy was doing exactly that he drove this car in the way that got him killed. But, like, whatever. Critical support for the Toyota Crown. <laughs> Why critical? <laughs> I Maximal yeah, no, support for the Toyota Crown. <laughs> Yeah, and there's more in this article. It's it's mostly just talking about how he owned the Aspen Skiing Company um, and various Ooh. other uh, businesses, and he was a uh, a prominent philanthropist in Chicago area, which means he was laundering his reputation. Yeah, and... laundering his fucking ill-gotten gains, the bastard. Dude, if he was like an Aspen ski guy, he has a long history of doing some fucking crimes against Earth. I'm sure, yeah. Why was he rich again? What's the what's his thing that like he he what how what what kind of workers did he exploit to make his money? Uh, he he owned the ski resort, uh, and it says among other business ventures. So, so I wait, don't know his main thing. This Chicago guy, his main business was he owned a fucking ski place in Colorado. I I don't know if that's the main one, but that's the one that they talk they mention in the. Uh, oh, that's fair. Yeah, it doesn't say what of his other. Yeah, oh, listen to this quote from the article. With his generosity, Jim truly embodied the soul of Chicago. Uh, fuck this guy. No, he didn't. 
<laughs> what First of all, Chicago been. doesn't have a soul. Mawart took it. Uh, <laughs> oh, hold on. Now, hold on. <laughs> They're just taking shots at me at this point. Well, you're taking shots at Mawart. I'm taking shots at you. Yeah. <laughs> so I just Googled his name to figure out uh, what else he owns. And one of the first articles that popped up was a uh, fact check. Did James Crown have information on Hunter Biden? <laughs> so, of course, there's already conspiracy theories about how Biden killed him or something. <laughs> Dude, the, 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 when the Titan submersible exploded, I have noticed oh, yeah. that it has caused a weird imploded. Uh, it has caused a weird resurgence of the, the Titanic never sunk conspiracy theory. Right. I didn't know that was a conspiracy theory. It, it, it says that there was another boat that was not the Titanic that sunk and that it was yeah. purposeful. Maybe this is what they were talking about on uh, on QAnon Anonymous, but th- I guess there's like a conspiracy theory that uh, the Titanic was an inside job that they <laughs> they planted explosives to kill off some famous banker that was opposed to the gold standard or something like that. Oh but- yeah, I love when they oh they love that gold standard. They're like the Federal Reserve is a bunch of Satanists, and you're like, no, dude, it's just a way to make this shitty economic system work for a little while longer. Please stop. <laughs> yeah um uh, but i, I did find standard so much <laughs> i did find out this guy was uh president of henry crown and company a family investment company so they were basically just investing in various other uh businesses um he was also a director of jp morgan chase uh he was also on the board of general dynamics and sarah lee oh so he was just on the board of a bunch of companies doing jack shit getting paid a bunch of money gotcha it se- sure seems that way yeah <sighs> So he's, he's I heard he was on the board of Sears like 14 times. <laughs> um, I'm just glad he died driving a fucking unglamorous car. I find that to be very funny. And yeah, if he had like birthday. rented like an F1 car for the weekend and, and died, that would be like, okay, yeah, it's, you know, okay, respect. It'd be kind of cool, but like there's no dignity. And I drove a fucking Toyota Crown so bad that I died. Yeah. No dignity there. <laughs> and it's not like it's like, oh, other traffic. It's like, bro, you were on a racetrack. There was open fucking road. You're just bad enough that you fucking died. <laughs> yeah. And it was on his uh, 70th birthday. So <laughs> better. Well. Even better. Happy birthday, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. This um, is oh, overall, this is a positive story in every respect. Uh, Brandon, how are we on time? We've got 24 minutes. Okay. So I think we at least have uh, time to cover some Tesla news as usual. Yeah, I would like yeah, to, let's, I let's think, run through them. I say we hit Tesla. Let's do, let's do the uh, fuel-efficient uh, tractor-trailer real quick. Do you want to do let's that do before it. Tesla? Yeah, we, There's not a lot to say about it. It's just good. Okay. Uh, where did I have that one? Fuck, hold on. <clears throat> I'm trying to like have things in different windows and understood um well we, we i i remember i think the high points of it because it wasn't anything too crazy but like yeah so um who who was making it here so let me let me read the headline real quick for you yeah so the uh, new international super truck 2 prototype semi gets an impressive 16 miles per gallon so it is a hybrid truck uh and they're saying that hybrid trucks like this could make a big impact on freight hauling emissions. Yeah, it's and it's not it's not even just a hybrid. They like 
did whatever work necessary to increase the overall efficiency of the actual diesel motor itself by um, it, they went from an average fuel like uh, efficiency of like 45% to like 55, which is no small task. Like the uh, thermal efficiency, I forget what units it's measured in. Um, yeah, it's basically just like how much if how much energy is in the fuel and how much of that gets to the, the right crankshaft. Um, um, they've like redesigned like the whole tractor and trailer to be more aerodynamic. Do yeah, uh, which, uh, by the way, for like for ref reference, I needed to know this too before I got into this article. The average. Uh, semi truck and trailer uh, is going to be getting somewhere between like five to seven miles per gallon. So when, a jump up to 16 is pretty big. Yeah. If it 10 years ago, if you were driving a tractor trailer and you were getting nine, people would not believe you or they would want to know what you're doing. It's, it's right. that big of a jump. Like, I used to drive tractor trailers and we had devices in that would like roughly measure mm -hmm. our fuel economy. And uh, I never, eked above like six and a half yeah so, yeah and to over you know double that is is pretty impressive and 16 is you know and I, a, a, I i don't think this i mean this is a prototype i don't know how much of this will make it to production semis in in the future but like you know like this is the roof is covered in solar panels i don't know if that's going to be something that you know is um that's probably going to be pretty expensive. And like the trailer is like mostly made out of composite. So it's much more lightweight. Like I think standard for uh, trailers now is to have like a wooden floor. Yeah. Like, yeah, not, they're not super high tech uh, right now. So like, I don't know. I, I won't wholly disagree with you, but the point that I would argue would simply be that they are, they are saying that, um, it's effectively like the extra cost is going to come out in the wash because it's so much more fuel efficient. And when you yeah. do the math, like I haven't crunched the numbers on it just right now, but like with diesel fuel, diesel fuel is an enormous factor in like taking, like it increases the company's overhead by a lot or not, not increases, decreases the company's overhead by a lot. So if you're making a couple of extra hundred dollars, you know, per load every two or three loads a week, Per truck, if you know, if it's one of the bigger, the bigger companies are who adopt this sort of technology. If you've got a fleet of a thousand or five thousand trucks nationally, and you're able to increase that amount of efficiency, like they already have so many other cost cutting measures. If if they adopt something like this, it's it's a big big deal, and it doesn't necessarily take the technology of, in the truck to be cheap. It takes for you know in a, a three to five year span that technology to pay for itself in fuel savings, which with that degree of fuel savings is, is a, is a fucking possibility. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, and with this being like, you know, a hybrid, I don't know, like, like we said, you know, at, at the beginning of the new segment, like this might be a lot more effective than a full EV semi truck. Like, what uh, Tesla and other companies are doing. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it and, takes us, it takes less material to make like a big giant battery and shit to like, you can use a small battery and just yeah. re recoup the energy used when you're like breaking and shit. It's, it's just a lot easier to do that in like a hybrid system than a full EV. Um, now, by the way, it's worth mentioning that this is part of a um, program 
that is sponsored by the Department of Energy. Um, so it seems like they're doing something kind of good, but probably getting some amount of funding uh, from the public sector, which is how pretty much all innovation happens under capitalism. It's as publicly funded, of course. Um, I, I don't know how much of that is the case here, but the fact that it is part of a DOE um, program suggests that there's probably some money for that. Um, so uh, Navistar, the company that uh, owns International, is not the only company working on this. They're just the ones that have been the most successful so far. So there's multiple other companies working on you know, breakthroughs for improving emissions and range and stuff on semi-trucks because obviously that's a huge source of emissions. And so like putting a lot of effort into that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. Like it's, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm all for it, it. So if, to anyone who that doesn't seem like big news too, it's, it's, it's a big deal for one of those to get such high fuel economy, especially with diesel being such a big polluter in the U S so um, <laughs> it's, it's the worst thing I can say about it about it is it's still not a substitute for trains <laughs> right i was about to say <laughs> like it make you know they t- they talk a lot about in this article about the like efficiency per ton of freight delivered and you know really nothing is gonna be trains, trains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well, i said we got about uh 17 minutes before we got to wrap it up so you want to you guys want to make fun of elon musk for a little bit Let's uh, do it. <laughs> and, and not just his weird dick measuring contest with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, man. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, he literally challenged Mark Zuckerberg to an actual dick measuring contest. Oh, I must have missed that and, one. I thought you were talking about trying to fight. That's because he backed out of, he backed out of the fight. That he, his mom. He, his mom backed him out of His mom, he oh, stepped it's in. Good. Oh, it's good she did, because apparently Mark Zuckerberg, who is a billionaire, mind you, doesn't have to actually work. So all he does is own shit and exploit the labor of others. So he has nothing better to do with his time than practice like Brazilian jujitsu. So he would have whooped Elon's ass. Not even it wouldn't even be close. Not even to like be like, oh, billionaires are so great. Again, he's only able to have that time and money because he's a fucking vampire of human labor right? Sucking the surplus value out of his workers. But he does practice martial arts and Elon does not. But but Connor, <laughs> I heard that uh, Elon Musk was uh, consulting with Andrew Tate to, to get some tips. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I did not know that. <laughs> it's even funnier. He's going to call his friend. Hey, I got no, I got a fight combo. How do I win? Like the fuck you mean, dude? That's not how that works. <laughs> What a fucking nerd. I'm sorry. What if he's going to give him some tips on how to stay out of prison also? <laughs> oh, that's uh, too good. I mean, if he don't um, start so paying yeah, his bills, from... he might need those tips. <laughs> uh, so aside from the dick measuring contest and the backing out of the schoolyard fight with Mark Zuckerberg, let's make fun of you. I'll be honest with you. From the looks of it, I wouldn't want to fight Zuckerberg. Dude, I'm 6'4 and about 270 at this point. I work for a living. I want to fight that dude. <laughs> yeah. I could hurt him, but I wouldn't win. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like the kind of guy that might bite your ear off if he's about to lose, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he doesn't have feelings and shit. So, um, so <laughs> just one quick story uh, that, uh, that Zach wanted us to share. Um, a Tesla owner says he was locked out of his EV after its 12 volt battery died amid the Texas heat. 
So, uh, you know, the consequences of global warming are coming for the elite as well. Uh, Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this guy was mildly inconvenienced and couldn't get to work because... (laughs) um, I just wonder, like, all these things that are, like, controlled by the battery, and if the battery dies, your Tesla's a fucking brick. Yeah. I'm just like, don't they have, like... They should have, like, a little port where it's like, okay, a manual, open the hood, and, like, a little crank or something that you could crank up the battery and, like, do shit. But, like... Nope, just a little exercise bike unfolds and you can pedal to charge your battery. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, though, that it's funny, but like that would be better than not having a solution at all. We're we're back to the Model T days where you're crank starting your Tesla. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the arc of history bends towards crank starting your fucking (laughs) transportation. (laughs) Uh, Um. But yeah, so like, yeah, this is a consequence of them having electric door opening uh, things, whatever it's called. Like you can't. Oh, open you, the I thought it, I thought it was because they wanted to like disrupt the like mechanical door handle market. Yeah. And, and yeah, <laughs> fucking um, idiot. they were unwilling to bow down to big mechanical door handles. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to buy parts from Dorman. <laughs> uh, he, he probably thought that sounds like a Jewish name. We don't want to. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe geez. I shouldn't joke about that. But yeah, as we said before, you know, Musk has uh, said some anti-Semitic dog whistles. Uh, yeah, and, not... a, and, a, and a much higher frequency. You than can't criticize too. him for that sort of thing. He's African American. Oh God. <laughs> let's let's talk about the actual Tesla story here. Yeah. So another quick. Well, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but another quick funny thing is um, they stopped selling um, right-hand drive cars in the UK. So you can only get a left-hand, you know, like American-style um, driving seat. And uh, what they their solution for drivers in the UK or I, Japan, I suppose, is to give them one of those little grabber handle things. Uh, so like a little pole with a trigger on it that you can uh, grab things with a claw. So, like, if you're going through a drive-through or uh, a, a, like a toll thing or whatever, that's that's their solution to. Um... I think Brandon's having an aneurysm. It looks like. <laughs> I well, I thought that you were at first. I was like, "What? You sit in the the right hand seat and steer from with a grabber claw?" And then you explained <laughs> what you meant, and it's actually dumber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they would stop. Like, why would you even stop making them right-hand drive for those markets? I like why there's... would why would you even have the left hand? Like, he can't hire engineers that can put the steering wheel on the opposite side of the car, but we think he can get to space. <laughs> like, why are there left-hand drive parts in the UK or Japan at all? Like, why would you ship? Like, why would you make those parts? Like, hey, hey make the right-hand drive version in that country. I mean, like, or I, so like there's not, there's only, you know, a few hundred million people that live in countries with, you know, where they drive on the wrong side of the road, like the UK and and, uh, Japan. But like, I guess that's not enough of a market share for um, certain countries uh, to, or, or certain companies to sell cars there. Like, I don't think you can get a Mustang in, uh, right-hand drive uh but people in the uk still buy them in left-hand drive and just deal with the i mean like 
there's people who like import cars from Japan and it's in into the US yeah. where it's obviously like left hand drive and like it's cool because it's a novelty, not because it's a brand new fucking car. That's stupid. Like it's cool. We're like, I got this cool old quirky vehicle imported from another country. It's right. a lot less cool if you're like the company I bought my car from is stupid and made the wrong side. So I bought it anyway. Uh, well, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> this this isn't even the story that I was necessarily talking about because uh, oh this was a quick one we're we're going through real quick just the headline it's stupid <laughs> I, I yeah maybe maybe the maybe the UK is better off if they don't have Teslas because this this Washington Post article is uh, an interesting insight into that maybe seventeen fatalities and seven hundred and thirty six crashes the shocking toll of Tesla's autopilot yeah. Damn, the autopilot is, you know, but worse than me after a few drinks. <laughs> a lot worse. <laughs> I have killed slightly less than 17 people after a few drinks, so I'm doing great compared to Tesla. <laughs> yeah. And I've even been caught for zero. Yeah, and I, I haven't killed killed anybody in, in my whole life. I just wanted that to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, just to clarify, <laughs> I don't think any of us were wondering, but just <laughs> to put that out there. Um, for, for legal purposes, I have never killed someone. Yeah, and and like we've talked about a few of these stories, but like you know, the Teslas in the autopilot mode have a habit of like running red lights, um, running into parked emergency vehicles on the side of the road, seeking out children to run over. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's a big one. Um, not good. My favorite was when it kept mistaking a stop sign that was on a billboard for a real stop sign and then stopping <laughs> just at a random spot on a road. <laughs> and uh, just and like, that can be so my bad. favorite because no one died, unlike 17 other people. And, yeah. and hundreds of other crashes. Which, by the way, I feel like that's actually... I can't get into this a paywalled article, but 17 fatalities, that actually sounds like an undercount. Uh, I, I suspect that there's probably more, to be honest with well, you. Uh, oh, yeah. Mind you that 17 fatalities does not imply anything about how many people were seriously injured. And I don't say that just to be, like, critical. Mm -hmm. Like, in 700 and something crashes, unless that's counting, like, a lot of really minor fender benders, which it may, um, it's still not a testament to the efficacy of self-driving, but, like, I guarantee there's a lot of other, like, yeah, I mean, it talks about this kid, um, uh, last name Mitchell, I don't see his first name on here, uh, who was hit by a Tesla and, like, you know, severely injured and, like, has trouble walking, has trouble with his memory, like, you know, all kinds of problems. Um, and I believe the driver of that Tesla that hit him uh, was arrested and is facing charges, but, like, you know, people well, I would be trust in this self-driving thing at all i i yeah. need to hear more fucking uh facts about that specific case obviously but no i'm sorry you should not get to sell a product as full self-driving yeah and then like when a person buys it as such and uses it and someone dies be culpable like that person arguably went into that in good faith and tesla failed them tesla should be on fucking trial yeah, yeah, I agree that they, they like. And so there was that <clears throat> there was a scandal where right before Tesla's got into crashes, they were actually 
disabling the autopilot as soon as the car detected that it was going to get into a crash. It's like, oh, shit, hands off the wheel. And then, of course, it's like, oh, well, we gave control back to the driver, which is part of the reason I think some of these crashes are actually could be attributed. Like, it could be a bit of an undercount because of that situation. And we're not necessarily going to hear about all those crashes. But, like, the fact that they were doing that is fucking terrifying. And it's like, and then, of course, the driver now assumes responsibility because in the last point zero one seconds before the crash, the system is just like, oh, hey, actually, you take the wheel. And it's like, well, you can't change it at that point. So the yeah. autopilot will get people into a nasty situation and then just like bail. And like to me that the fact that that function even exists is a serious problem. And the fact that Tesla is facing almost no repercussions for this yet is shocking. Like, where is our fucking where's our friend Pete Buttigieg, you motherfucker? Like, come on, you're in charge of this shit. Go after this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, What and- the fuck? <laughs> Uh, just how hard is it? It's so easy. You could you could make Twitter better and ruin Tesla over and just like you could you could end this shit. But I don't know. Of course, he's a lib. So, you know, he won't. But um, ugh, unreal. Just a couple quick, quick more details. Uh, so like that, this teenager that was hit uh, his name was uh, his name is Tillman Mitchell. He's 17 years old. And he was just stepping off a, a school bus that had its stop sign out. That's and even was, crazier. He was struck by uh, a car at 45 miles an hour. Um, oh, so Jesus. He, he could have easily been killed uh, by this. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, mean, I know sometimes in making fun of stuff like this, I can personally come off as a bit callous because I, I, when I take things seriously, it still sort of doesn't come across that way. But that's, that, yeah, that's fucked up, man. Like, yeah. And I think, you know, like it's it's easy to get lost with statistics like 17 killed, you know, or however many injured like but when you do I think, you know, they they did a good job of including this example to humanize the cost of these kind of things like um these are real people that are getting injured and killed. Yeah, especially uh, when you factor in that his favorite hitting children. Yeah. Yeah, especially it it is the system recognizes children as obstacles a lot less than like regular adult pedestrians. Where's all those protect the children QAnon weirdos when Tesla's on the fucking chopping block? Right. Yeah. I think so. I think the quote is often misattributed to Joseph Stalin. Um, but like there's that there's that old uh, quote. Um, one a single death is a tragedy. A million is a, a statistic. There is no people, evidence that traces that back to Stalin. So okay, so that's what I thought. It's often misattributed, but actually, people misunderstand what that quote is saying. It, it's meant to sound like, oh, Stalin was callous, and it's like, no, no, no. He's pointing out that like it's really easy to disassociate from the actual harm of a single person's life that is fucking destroyed for this shit. And like you look at this statistic, like oh, seventeen fatalities, seven hundred crashes. But every one of those 700 plus crashes is someone's life was fucking derailed. Someone was put in serious harm. And every one of those deaths touched, you know, hundreds of fucking people who, who have lost a loved one. And so that's that where that quote actually, I think that quote is often very misunderstood to make Stalin look like a monster, which apparently he never even said. But I think that quote actually shows a great insight into how the human mind cannot process large numbers. Like you I can't actually understand 
that one's specifically interesting for the specific fact that it was made up years after Stalin's death to make him look bad. And you are right. Like it, it actually does get to the heart of something. No. And it's like, to me, I'm like, that's a quote that shows like, that's a deep understanding of humanity. Like, yeah. When, when a million, when you talk about a million people who died in a war, you just say, Oh, a million died here. A million died on the other side. It all washes out. But it's like every one of those was a fucking individual with a unique life. That's fucked up. And so like, I think that that quote, I, I don't know how anyone bandies that quote about as if it's a bad thing when I'm like, no, that if you understand that quote at all, that is a deep insight. Um, yeah. So, you know, if if Stalin didn't say that, I actually wish he had, because that is a very insightful quote. I'm sorry. I, that's a weird derailment, but like it applies here <laughs> in how these statistics work and how we think about them when, in fact, each one is a tragedy. Um, And. So for any of the Tesla fanboys, if you're still listening at this point and you think that we're being unfair, um, you know, this is Tesla is statistically worse than other car brands for these types of crashes. Um, and uh, um, let's see, we have a, for, a quote by former NHTSA uh, safety advisor, Missy Cummings, who said Tesla is having more severe and fatal crashes than people in a normal data set. Um, that's fucking crazy yeah yeah that's bad uh on that note i think yeah. it's pretty much time for us to wrap up because we are under a clock here yep so uh yeah if you like what we're doing uh give us a rating on your podcast app uh follow us on social media and all of that good stuff and the one last thing i'll say is because i, I told them we would uh on Instagram, follow Type 1 Dialectic. He's been uh, fighting some people who are spreading some really bad medical misinformation, and he's trying to get the truth out there. So if uh, you or anyone you know has diabetes uh, and it's affecting your life, he's he's fighting, uh, at least online, he's fighting internet battles and, and real life ones to try and get the truth out there and, and keep like hacks from just lying to people and defrauding them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, us for the week. All right, everybody, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Our economy isn't about freedom at all, just the opposite. American capitalism today is defined by an overwhelming lack of freedom for the vast majority of people and incredible dictatorial power for a few people at the very top. Capitalism works if it works at all because it always has socialism to bail it out and and to subsidize it. What the? Well, these cars are only factory to can do better than 180k. They can't catch you. They don't even try. You know what? I'm beginning to like this country already. The money spent on the Iraq War alone, which killed one million people. 5% of Iraq's entire population and planted the seeds for ISIS to flourish could have covered all global investments to halt climate change trends. James Madison, one of the founding fathers of the United States, observed in 1787 that in England, at this day, if elections were open to all classes of people, the property of landed proprietors would be insecure. He went on to say that government, 
ought to be so constituted as to protect the minority of the opulent against the majority. Ask any race, any real race. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. <laughs>